Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome once again to the show that spotlights nonprofit organizations right here in our Snoqualmie Valley. Welcome to Keeping Track of Giving Back in the Valley. I'm your host, Jay Fisk. One more time to welcome you all and hope that you have been being very safe out there. We are hopefully getting a handle on this pandemic. You've been wearing your mask. Hopefully, many of you have received your vaccine already. Perhaps even a double dose of the vaccine. That would be even better. And uh, we're going to get we're going to get this thing back to normal here before too long. I certainly hope. On tonight's show, we're going to meet a couple of great ladies that have a very interesting organization. The organization is called Reading with Rover, and uh, I'm going to let you take uh, three guesses about what that's all about. In the first two guesses, you'll probably be right. Uh, in the third one, you'll probably be right as well because it is exactly what it sounds like. But uh, as we know, names are not everything. There's more to the story. We're going to learn more about that story when we meet these two great ladies. Uh, but before we do, uh, just uh, as I like to remind you every week and have been reminding you, you need to wear your mask. Breathing is bidirectional. When you breathe out, somebody breathes in. When they breathe out, you breathe in. The only protection you're going to have from exchanging their air with yours and vice versa is that mask. It's your layer of protection. So don't be silly. Put it on when you're around other people. Now, you don't have to wear it when you're out jogging or, you know, if you're out riding, riding your motorcycle or your bicycle or you're skydiving or something like that, you probably don't have to do that. But when you're in proximity of other people, be courteous to them and protect yourself. Wear your mask and let's get this uh, pandemic put behind us. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to start eating in restaurants again. Uh, that would be really nice. And by the way, the one thing I'm really missing more than everything in this pandemic is I'm missing seeing people smile. I am missing their smile. So I'm going to remind you to do what you can. Practice in front of the mirror in the morning. After you finish brushing your teeth, why don't you practice smiling with your eyes? Just take your hand, put your hand over your mouth, and see if you can let people know that you're happy by smiling with your eyes. Because the rest of the day, they're only going to see you in a mask, okay? So with that said, uh, that's my uh, PSA for, the, for this week. Let's dive into this. I want to learn about reading with Rover. I want to find out what this is all about. We have two great guests on Today, we're going to hear from them both, and I've got a lot of questions for them, and hopefully by the end of, of this show, you're going to have a better idea of what Reading with Rover is all about. We have Leslie Williams. She's a team lead and facility coordinator and an evaluator, and I'm guessing she probably has two or three other jobs as well. Uh, so, Leslie uh, Williams, good, good evening, and welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Jay. It's really a pleasure to be asked to come on. And you have a partner in crime uh, that's Becky Bishop. Be Becky is the executive director of Reading with Rover. Becky, welcome to the show as well. Thank you, Jay. So right off the top of the right off the top, let's get this. Let's get the naming out of the way. Give us the give us the short version of why the name Reading with Rover, and and maybe you can include in that. And I don't care which one of you answered. Maybe you both can answer. What is the mission of Reading with Rover? Give us a little history. I think I'll run with that one. Um, I give credit to the name to Mei Mei Wu. She's the librarian at the Bothell Library. She was the one who approached me because she knew I was a dog trainer and I might have therapy dogs and I might know people have therapy dogs because she had heard about an organization in Utah where kids were reading to dogs. And so we decided to have kids read to dogs in the summer because the reading tends to taper off in the summer. And that's why kids lose their reading skills. They come back to school the following year and they've always fallen behind because they don't read much in the summer. So we started the program at the Bothell Library. And um, but the name was just so generic. The name that they had was Read, Reading Education Assistance Dogs. And I just thought to me that just sounded too formal. It didn't sound fun. 
And um, I asked Maymay to come up with something, and she came up with Reading with Rover. And there, from there, we got a cute logo made, and um, and it just took off from there. That just sounded like more fun to me for kids. You want to keep it simple. Well, it's a great name, and and what I love about the name, besides being creative, is it does not leave a lot of doubt as to what you do. But right, I and our our mission, Jay, is pretty simple too. It's inspire children to discover the joy of reading, literacy skills, and confidence in a safe environment using Reading with Rover dogs. A dog is a willing listener for a child. So that's the, um, that was our original mission when we started. And of course, we've evolved from there. We call ourselves Dream Teams for dogs for reading education assistance and more. And that more would be anything else to do with anybody, but primarily children. We visit hospitals, we have crisis dogs. We, we do a lot in our community with these very special dogs. Okay, so now, so uh, that that is educating me as well. I did not know that, but you just alluded to something that I did. I was going to ask you, and that is, does this require any special talent on the part of the dog? Well, the dog has to be friendly to people, and it's good if they're friendly with other dogs. As we go into a, a library or a school, we could have a room uh, with six to eight dog teams in it. So it really helps if there's no fight. And I can say not just that, they have to be neutral. Yes. The bigger problem is if they are friendly, they have to have impulse control, which that's where the training comes in. So they're not constantly distracted and wanting to go say hi to other dogs. <laughs> right. so, so in other words, you want a dog that's not overly friendly, but you want a dog that's also not uh, terrorizing the kids. It's a little bit yeah, of a fine well, balance there, isn't it? <laughs> I, I like dogs that are people dogs. You know, I'll, I'll take a dog that, Maybe he's a little indifferent to other dogs. He doesn't care if he plays or not. Yeah. But he's all about the people, you know. But it just it it, it takes people who are willing to train and work with their dog, and uh, it's just good family dog manners is what you need. How long How long uh, does it take to train one of these dogs? It takes basically between uh, six, three and six months. Yeah. Um, but also they need to be at least a year old before they could start their training. So you're already doing manner puppy manners style training before you even become go into your therapy prep class i'd like to add to that because i think it's a year it's probably less is probably right three to six months of formalized training yes but training begins the day you bring the puppy home if, if especially if you know you're going to want to have a therapy dog because you can test it i tested my dog at age one but a, a giant breed like leslie has a great dane they might not test till they're two because they're just more slow to mature. Yes. Um, it just depends on the on the dog and the amount of time you want to put in on training. But, you know, the training begins at home when you bring them home. So are these dogs volunteers? They're voluntolds. <laughs> We're the volunteers. Right, um, the people are the volunteers. The, dog, the dogs can tell us if they don't, if it's not for them. They will give you stress signs and signals if it's right. not for that they enjoy. So we are very, very careful in the positions that we put them in so that they enjoy it as much as we do and as much as the people we're serving. Yeah, that's right. Like Jay, we don't want the dog, that's why we have, you pass your test, but we're not done with you. Then we have people like Leslie, we have really great mentors who shadow the teams because you know until you get, we don't have any kids on the test as bait. Right. I can't just bring some kids in and say, hey, let me see how this dog is with children. 
So we have to really carefully, you know, go with them to the schools and put them in public situations. And so they have to put in 10 hours of um, shadow time where we shadow them as well after they pass their test. Okay, so I got to stop you here because I'm trying to get a visualization of this thing. You don't send the dog in by themselves. So obviously yeah. someone has to go in with the dog. And and I'm presuming, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm presuming this is a volunteer and the volunteer is the owner of the dog? Yes. Usually. Usually, we have some people that don't own the dog, but they have a relationship with that dog and they volunteer. So it could be like a family member's dog or a neighbor's dog. Sure. Or sure. How many of these teams do you have? Uh, when we when we were doing in person, there was a, a hundred or, or more. We, uh, we have over 300 registered teams. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But I think actively before the pandemic, actively volunteering, we had probably close to 150 teams. And um, now we're doing uh, virtual reads. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So uh, obviously the pandemic has affected you as it's affected just about everybody, including me, by the way. But w tell me tell me how you're doing this during the pandemic. How's that all working? So I was approached by Mei Mei Wu again at the Bothell Library and uh, also a North Shore School District tech who is a retired teacher and uh, is also a Reading with Rover team. And we got together and figured out a program how to do it through Zoom online so that we are able to have children come and read to us online. So our handlers stay at home. Our, our dogs put on a little bandana and our teams have their badges on and the dogs are front and center on the screen and children sign up to read to us uh, through the libraries and um, also through our Reading with Rover event night that we put on ourselves. Has that been working? Oh, it's incredible. Really? We even have teams that go to elementary schools. And uh, last summer, we had a team uh, work with a child that was nonverbal and to try and encourage them. And um, as soon as they saw that dog on the screen, they were all of a sudden verbal. So it was really, really? an amazing. Yes. Even on the computer, it works incredibly well. Now, I'm assuming right. that happens in person as well, right? Yeah, we're still able to personalize it. You know, I, I wish they could touch the dogs, but they can't. But the kids, we're doing a Reading is Fun campaign right now. So kids that sign up to Zoom read with a dog, we're sending them a little stuffed puppy with a Reading with Rover t-shirt that says, read to me. Mm -hmm. And they're loving that as well. So some kids actually have their puppies when they read to our to our puppies. And they wear their bandana because we'll send them a free bandana as well. Right. And and the handler is still there with the dog, Jay, too. But the primary the primary visual on the screen is the dog. What's the duration of one of these sessions here? What, when someone volunteers their dog, obviously they're putting a lot of time in on the training over the course of you know six, nine months to a year. But once you start sending them out as a team to do the... The, the reading program uh, or the virtual one, What's what sort of time frame does somebody commit to? It seems like it's a pretty heavy duty commitment. Well, this is the beauty of having many teams because it makes light work. Um, our teams can, um, each event is one hour long, Jay. And uh, we, uh, I don't know what you know about Zoom, but they have a, a 
thing called breakout rooms right. and we have one or two teams in each breakout room with a librarian and or with a school teacher and so in the school some of the children are only on for 15 minutes or 20 minutes in the library they can be on for 20 minutes or half hour but our teams are never on more than one hour. Wow, this is fascinating. And we're gonna take a break um, because it's time to take a break. But when we get back from the break, uh, I wanna dive in a little deeper in, in, into this. I wanna find out a little bit about your funding. I'd like to ask you a little bit about uh, how does one become a volunteer or Reading with Rover volunteer? Uh, what sort of dog uh, you know, should they have? Does it matter? Uh, you know, How do they sign up? Uh, lots of questions like that. This is fascinating. I appreciate uh, you you sharing it with our with our audience. We'll be back after the break, but I just want to let you everybody know, everyone know that's listening that we are visiting with Leslie Williams. She is a team lead and facility uh, coordinator and evaluator for Reading with Rover, and we also have Becky Bishop with us. She's the executive director of Reading with Rover, and we are learning all about this great organization that that uses that uses. Uh, that uses dogs as facilitators for kids to help them help them read and we're, we're we're learning a lot this is the show keeping track of giving back in the valley that uh, brings you a great nonprofit every week to teach you a little bit about uh and we have one of the rovers barking in the background so there you go that's a little background and that's good that's all environment see this is good stuff but, uh, this is why I'm locked in my bedroom, away from my rovers. <laughs> no, this is good. It's very, it's it's reality. It's a good thing. But no, this is the show that uh, that brings you a great nonprofit every uh, every week. We talk about uh, one that serves all of us who live, work, and play right here in our wonderful Snoqualmie Valley. And we'll be back right after this break. Join us for Northwest Phenomenon Sunday nights at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 as we cover topics from paranormal activity, conspiracy theories and more. If you have a story you would like to share, email me, mario at northwestphenomenon.com. We'll see you Sunday nights at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9. Northwest Phenomenon. Have you ever wanted to work in radio but weren't sure how to get started? Or maybe you're someone looking to take on some community-focused volunteer work. Either way, have we got a deal for you. Valley 104.9 is 100% volunteer staffed and operated, and we're always looking for new volunteers. In addition to on-air hosts and specialty programmers, we're looking for people interested in broadcast engineering, local events reporting, or fundraising. As an example, we want to do more live broadcasts of local music, but we need more folks to help make it happen. If you'd like to help, please go to www.valley1049.org, click on the volunteering link, and complete the short web form. Come join us. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Valley Talk and Info. Okay, we are back. Welcome back to Keeping Track of Giving Back in the Valley. This is the show that every week spotlights a great nonprofit organization doing wonderful things for all of us who live, work, and play right here in our Snoqualmie Valley. I'm your host, Jay Fisk. If you have an idea for a nonprofit you'd like us to spotlight on this show, or perhaps just have a suggestion on the format, feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me at jay at valley1049.org, jay at valley1049.org. 
And uh, also want to let you know that uh, we do stream on our website. So even though we broadcast in the Snoqualmie Valley from Carnation, you can hear us worldwide on the web at valley1049.org. You can tell your friends, just go click in the upper right-hand corner where it says live. I'll listen live and you'll hear our live stream. And uh, you can also uh, find many of the past shows up there and relive those as well if you'd like. But right now we are talking to a couple of great ladies that are with this organization called Reading with a Rover. We've got Leslie Williams here and we've got Becky Bishop here. And we're learning about uh, this whole Reading with Rover program. I am finding out all kinds of great things. I did not realize how many teams they have. They have over 300 registered teams. They can put 100, 150 of them out all over, I guess all over the Northwest. I'm just going to presume that. And it's a wonderful program to help kids uh, feel comfortable reading and getting sort of the the, uh, the dogs are sort of a nice little intermediary, I guess would be the right term for that, for getting the, the kids to settle in and and, uh, and pay attention and focus. Uh, before we went to break, I had mentioned to both Leslie and Becky that I wanted to learn a little bit about how one becomes a volunteer. How do you, how do you volunteer not only yourself, but your dog, your little puppy to get trained to be, to be a Reading with Rover team? How do you do that? Well, we I, I don't know. I think a perfect example would be I have somebody that just emailed me today that says, I want to be able to volunteer for Reading with Rover, and I just got a puppy. What do I do, right? So you start out, I'm a dog trainer, so of course I have a dog training company. And um, if they're nearby me, I invite them to sign up for training classes here because I feel like our therapy classes are all oriented towards good family dog training, which is it also allows me selfishly to stalk good teams. I'll have people come in and I, I recognize that team as somebody who could do reading with Rover and I introduce them to the program. But if they start out as puppies, they start out with just good socializing, uh, learning to not bite, not mouth, not jump, preventing bad habits. And then at around six months of age, they get into a formal training program where they take a six week, they might take a six or an eight week uh, basic class. And then maybe a uh, one sometimes they take that class twice because the puppy's still young, and then we actually offer therapy classes with Heather Rush or Christy Dudzik, uh, two of our team members teach therapy dog classes. So they take you through the therapy uh, test, so you can practice getting ready for the test. And uh, from there, people like myself or Leslie uh, will evaluate the team, and and then it's it goes by pretty quickly actually. If you if it starts with some people even want us want me to help them select a puppy you know really i don't know how to do that but i have done that on occasion picked a puppy out yeah so they, they they'll come to you and say i want to get involved in your program but i don't have a dog help me help help me find a puppy so that i can go through the training and and become one of your right. friends yeah i've helped a few team and we've actually rescued a few to be honest one of our better teams is probably earl uh, with christy who uh he went on to become a crisis dog and we rescued him he was just an unwanted puppy, um, and she adopted. I knew he'd be a good therapy dog. He was super calm, and um, he went on. He's reading with Rover Dog. He's also a crisis dog, and um, she's actually the pastor, uh, Christy Dunn, for the fire department. I'll be darned. So, Leslie, yeah. how, how far how far afield do you travel with these teams, or do your teams travel? I guess. Well, we do. Um, some of our teams. Um, go, we start kind of south about Tacoma, Covington area, Federal Way, all the way up to uh, uh, Bellingham. We have teams all throughout kind of the I-5 corridor there. And uh, we are in King County libraries throughout King County in their uh, nine 
districts, we have at least one library. We go to, I think it's eight Snohomish Island, Snohomish and Island County uh, libraries on a monthly basis. And uh, yeah, so we go quite far afield. That's quite a reach. So if somebody wanted to engage one of your teams, how would they go about doing that? Uh, they would write an email to info at readingwithrover.org and then it would get forwarded to me and I would find out what it is they want our dogs for. It could be a school, it could be a PTA, um, it could be a library system um, and uh, then we'll discuss we often go to we also go to colleges for stress relief on finals weeks and so we go to I think it's seven different colleges in the Seattle area all the way up to Bellingham to help the students with their stress if I can just add too, what we did when the pandemic hit what I came up with Jay was that we could badge people under reading with Rover which is what we call a V badge, a virtual badge, because we're not allowed to test new teams. And I, oh, wow. I, sure, I got to make sure that the program, that we still keep growing teams. So Leslie and I put together a program where um, we virtually mentor these teams, right, Leslie? And, yes. and they get started on Zoom accounts, right. And they, take, they still take a therapy class. Yep. And then we give them what's called a V badge. And that, well, that's been kind of great because – we can badge any dog anywhere in the United States with a virtual badge because they're just they're virtual reads. And we've been, we've had kids all the way from New York, uh, zoom read our dogs. Now see, that's create That's very creative. That's taking a crisis and finding a solution. Very well done. Very well Thank done. You. One thing I'd like to ask all guests is give us a situation where when something that, that happened, you know, in your program, when it was all done, you said, aha, that's why we exist. That's why. And you had mentioned earlier about uh, kids who were nonverbal and became verbal. But you know, think, think of us, just play out for me one, one example of uh, what made this all worthwhile for you two. Well, we actually just received a letter from a uh, librarian that she received from a uh, parent of a child that just finished reading to our dogs. And if it's all right, it's quite short, just a paragraph. Uh, my son hasn't been to school since last March after the pandemic. We speak another language at home. So after staying at home for six months with a minimum social interaction with others, we suddenly found it's so hard for him to speak any English. Even when we talked in English, he wouldn't respond to us at all. We've enrolled him in several English online classes, joined library story time, read English picture books since September. But it seems that there's no progress. He understands most of English, but still refuses to speak. I have a feeling that he's not confident and very shy to talk in English. Last week, I told him we would try to talk, read to a dog, and he was very excited. Once he saw the dog in Zoom, he started to speak English, and he tried to read some books to the dogs. The 30 minutes was amazing, and he said he would love to talk and read to dog story, uh, stories to dogs next time. So she says, thank you so much for today's event. My son really loved it. He's more confident and likes to read and talk to dogs instead of talking to people. <laughs> wow, that is great. Well, that's, that is exactly what I was looking for, that 
uh, sums it up. Becky, you have anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I just think that was exemplifies, you know, that it's, it really just, it really does. And I love the, I, I love the joy that it brings to children, but I also love the joy it brings to parents. So because parents struggle, you know, and they bring their kids in, and all of a sudden those kids just open up because the dogs are not going to judge them. How do you, how are you folks funded? We, we get donations, you know, we, we got some foundation money this year. So that's been helpful. And, um, you know, we ask for donations when we need it. We haven't had any big fundraisers. Our volunteers, of course, you know, we always hope that we're their favorite charity. And um, but every once in a while, Jay, we get lucky and somebody drops a big check on us. And Well, let's say somebody's out listening out there and they have a, a big check or a, lo or a small check. Or maybe they work for one of these wonderful uh, local companies that have matching. Matching donations, yeah. Matching funds. And they'd like to. They'd like to, uh, you know, provide some funds to you and perhaps uh, let their company provide the match. How do they go about reaching you? That'd be great. They could just email us, info at readingwithrover.org. And, um, yeah, we we have a couple of companies that do magic funds. And uh, we're on Amazon Smile. So, you know, if you shop Amazon, you can pick a nonprofit. And, nice. Um, we pick up a little money there. But mostly it's just like, you know, talking to nice people like you and your community you know, who are looking to give to something that's making a difference, even during this pandemic. I have to say, I really have to credit, I, I'm so proud of my organization because a lot of people just had to do nothing. They just sort of didn't know what to do. And we immediately thought, we got to go virtual. We got to get a Zoom account. And Reading with Rover pays for that professional Zoom account. And we, we're also paying for a couple of other Zoom accounts so these trainers can keep doing the therapy training. And we also offer scholarships to teams who want to become therapy dog teams that might not have the money to go through the process of that kind of training right now. Nice. Well, uh, we, have, we only have about a minute or two left. And I always like to uh, ask the question, uh, what have I not asked you that you wish I had about your organization? One thing is, is that we do not discriminate between breed of dog. It doesn't matter what breed your dog is, right. breeds, so long as they are well-mannered and well-trained and are people-friendly. Okay. And, and I want to just add to that. So many people, you guys, you have a therapy dog at home and you don't even know it. I always say, if your dog is well-mannered, you know, the, the training, the test is fairly simple. It's basic skills, and they have to like being petted, and they can't jump on people. That's pretty much um, key. But I think so many people have nice dogs at home and could do this, and, and they just don't think about doing this with their dog. And it's really a fun and fairly easy thing to do. Wonderful. It's a nice activity. You know, it's it's more than just taking your dog out for a walk. It's uh, it's letting your dog uh, give back. It's all, this, this show is all about giving back. And people give back, and this is a way to let your pet give back as well. I love, I love that aspect. It was great. I had it used to have a dog that needed therapy. Uh, <laughs> well, I always said they'll either give therapy or you'll need one because of it. But <laughs> I love it. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, this has been great. It's gone by very, very quick. But uh, I've learned so much more. Hopefully, our listeners have learned so much more. I want to thank Leslie. Williams and Becky Bishop for being guests on this week's show, uh, learning a little bit about uh, 
keep a little bit about uh, Reading with Rover. Uh, you can find more information on their website, readingwithrover.org. Uh, readingwithrover.org, just like it sounds. And you can also get more information by emailing them and perhaps even think about becoming a volunteer by sending them an email at info at readingwithrover.org. Uh, thank you. Thank you both very much. We do appreciate it. Thank You're you. Welcome. We are going to uh, wrap up yet another session of Keeping Track of Giving Back in the Valley. This is the show as I love to remind you that each week spotlights a wonderful nonprofit organization that we can find uh, doing great things for all of us who live, work, and play right here in our wonderful Snoqualmie Valley. If you'd like to reach me with an idea for a nonprofit I should interview or perhaps uh, uh, something to do with our format or just any other suggestions you'd like, uh, feel free to reach me at jay at valley1049.org. Uh, you can also go to the website and uh, and live stream our shows if you'd like. Listen to all the shows that we have with pretty eclectic uh, lineup. Uh, not only uh, talk with Valley Talk with uh, Heather Stark and uh, and of course my show, which is, airs every Sunday evening at 5:30 p.m. and again on Monday at 6:30 p.m. So 5:30 and 6:30 for this show. And Heather Stark's uh, Valley Talk is on uh, Sunday immediately following my show at uh, at 6 p.m. Uh, and there's a lot of great great music shows throughout the week there as well. That's at valley1049.org. And you can uh, click the um, listen live button anywhere in this fabulous world that gets internet access. That wraps it up for one more session of keeping track of giving back in the Valley. And we'll talk to you next week with a brand new show and another wonderful nonprofit organization. We'll, we'll be spotlighting, wear your mask, stay healthy, everybody. Good night. Good night.